0: Hey guys, welcome to a special edition, end of year podcast that uh, wasn't really in the works, but when you get the opportunity to interview the likes of Jorge Masvidal, you definitely don't say no to it, and it also gave me a great opportunity to kind of push forward my thank you, because I couldn't have done it without the support of all you guys, so it's been a great 2019 for myself, between the podcast just absolutely exploding and downloads going through the roof. That's that's all to you guys. You know, I, I do kind of try to bring the best show I can bring every day, but it's one of those things. Without you guys, I can't spread, especially organically. I know you guys always reach out and have a yarn and tell all your family and friends. So I really do appreciate you guys helping me spread the word. For those of you that have bought the book, uh, yeah, the book went really, really well over the kind of Father's Day into the Christmas period as well. Talking with champions, if you haven't heard me say, I haven't really spread too much on it at the moment, but uh, in the New Year's, I definitely will be adding more and more promos onto the podcast, but thank you to everyone that has supported the podcast, the book. I really, really do appreciate it. Definitely do get in touch if you haven't yet, either on social media, on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, or send me a quick email. love to hear from you, Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. The the official start of next week, uh, the, the official start of season four, sorry, is next Monday, so Monday, January 6th, and it will be the big 150 episode and a couple of weeks ago I recorded with the bloke in the bar, Denim, Denim Kemp. And he's a, he's a great guy, has his own show, The Locker Room, which I'm pretty sure there's probably been a little bit of crossover between the two of us. And I'm sure that you also check out his work because it is brilliant between his social media and his YouTube stuff, all his video stuff. It, it, it is fantastic. So he's got a great backstory and it's one that you don't want to miss. It's one of those... We're back to long form next week. I have recorded with the likes of Anthony Griffin, Dean Halletower, and a couple of the English favorites. I know I've got a lot of English listeners out there, so Kevin Sinfield and Jamie Peacock are both recorded, and that's just the start of the series, because I've got many guests in the pipeline. I'm going to be doing something huge in 2020, so really, really looking forward to bringing you the show shortly. So next Monday, first thing in the morning, be on the lookout. Now today's guest, Jorge Masvidal. He'll be coming here in Australia in February, so early February. The dates, he'll be doing a Q&A show. He'll be doing a meet and greets kind of dinner thing, a training. So I'll have all the, the details in the show notes, or you can just go to au. He'll be in Melbourne on the 12th of February. 13th of February, he'll be coming to Sydney. 15th, jetting out to Brisbane. 16th, Adelaide. And the 18th, He'll be in Perth. Definitely check out his Instagram too, Game Bread fighter. That's across Twitter and Instagram. Definitely also his YouTube. There's plenty of top content there. But realistically, with probably Stylebender and our own Alex Velkanovsky, probably the UFC fighter of the year. It all started with his comeback fight against Darren Till. Started the year in England. Absolutely starched him. Then that five-second is the fastest knockout in UFC history over Ben Askren. And then he became the BMF champion awarded by The Rock by stopping, you know, the awesome Nate Diaz. So it's it's quite the achievement what he's done. He's been around for about 16 years. So they call him Gamebred, Street Jesus, the Soul Snatcher. He's got lots of lots of nicknames, but we're lucky enough to jump on a phone call today. So it's not an in-person interview, but hopefully down the track we can organize that. But he gave me 35 minutes of... He's a very, very down-to-earth and humble fella. So I do give great thanks to Shannon and Max at Marks and Sparks, the PR company here in Sydney so many thanks for you guys organizing the interview but like I said all the details will be in the show notes today so definitely I know in Sydney I'll be going out it's in Rudy Hill so yeah I think it's a Thursday the 13th of February so hit me up if you going to the the meet and greet with Jorge because yeah I'd love to catch up with anyone that's going there all right guys excited to bring you the end of year celebration and I introduce the legend Jorge Masvidal All right, guys. My special guest today is Jorge Masvidal. Jorge is the biggest star in the UFC with an incredible 2019 CM knockout Darren Till in England. Achieved the fastest KO in UFC history with a five-second knockout over Ben Askren, and finishing the year as the B.M.F. champion by stopping Nate Diaz with a career record of 35 and 13. They call him Gamebred, Street Jesus, and the Snow Snatcher. A welcome to the podcast, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Here, man. All right, Jorge, well, hey, you're coming to Australia, man. It's uh, it's going to be in about five weeks' time. First up is Melbourne. Have you been Have you been out to Australia before, my man? Yeah, I've been to Sydney, Australia, before for a UFC event. I
1: was there about what five, six days. I was booked with a lot of media and a lot of obligations I had to do for the UFC, so I didn't get to do that much leisure time sightseeing and, and the usual things I like to do, like just eat and go out in the nature. Yeah, but I. Uh, Right, I'm looking forward to this, and this
0: time's going to be a little different. I'm not going to be with the UFC, so I'm going to be all over the place. Yeah, nice one. Because I've been over to Miami a few times, and you know, it's very similar. Like the only real difference is, you know, I think you guys got better kind of Cuban and South American food, and you know, your humidity is a little bit higher. But I think you'll really, really enjoy, it, especially Sydney, man. I think you'll get a kick of coming out of here to Sydney, man. When I was there, I got like one night that I got to go out. I went out
1: with a. Uh, Patriots, he took us to some really cool
0: places to eat and hang out, and I had a blast, man. It was it was a freaking great time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, all right, take me a little bit back to the start because you've got an amazing story, and you know, obviously, 2019 is really bringing it out. So, talk to me a little bit about your upbringing in Miami. Um, really fun, man. Just
1: another another kid in the wild bunch, probably the wildest of a bunch. I had a lot of fun growing up, man. Got into some trouble and and stuff growing up like all boys do, you know, especially when you got extra amounts of energy. And I love fighting, I love competing. I uh I wanna say in some aspects I I didn't have all the the tools to succeed in certain subjects, maybe school wise, you know, getting grades wise, anything like that. I wasn't set up the best for doing the greatest in school, but I was set up the best for for the sport that I am, I truly feel that. Like. The life that I got given was made for me to just go out there and compete and do what I do and be a gladiator, fighter. It's what I love to do, and, and man, I can't, I can't complain. I
0: think I've had the best life that you can get. Yeah, well, you know, you talk about the love of fighting, man. What, what age was it when you when you fell in love with it?
1: Well, if you ask my dad, he'll say since I can speak. You know, I don't remember a lot of these. Uh, these early encounters, but my dad says I was fighting since, like, four years old. And, and the only thing that would captivate me when I was a kid back then wasn't the Disney Channel or Disney movie. It was, it was Kung Fu Clicks, Kung Fu Movies. So if you ask my dad, I fighting is captivating me since a kid. Since I can remember, I don't know, man. I want to say, like, eight, nine years old, combat sports had already took it over my mind. Yeah, I would see, like, a boxing match on TV, and it would already start to, like, oh, what's going on over there? Why are these guys fighting? what is this called, and things like that, you know, so that, that to me, boxing is very really, to captivate me and stuff, you know, it could grab my attention very soon.
0: Yeah, Jorge, hey, what was your first kind of martial art?
1: My first martial art was karate, karate, I, I think I, I have early memories of being like seven, eight years old, and, and trying out karate and stuff like that, I didn't last too, too long in the karate here. it's not really a lot of the karate, <laughs> not really karate, it's just like some guy that, that, some Mac Dojo and, not really karate and stuff like that and they didn't really have like sparring and and I wouldn't feel like my I, I, it just even at a young age I was like man this is some bull crap in here where's the real stuff I you know so I, I didn't I didn't like my first experiences with karate but that's because I wasn't in real karate, you know it's just some watch down, some black belt open up a school and he didn't really have a black belt party, I got it online or something. Back then there wasn't even no internet, so who knows where these black belts are coming from. Yeah. But um there's there's uh it wasn't my first real experience wasn't until I got into like boxing wrestling. Wow, this is awesome. I, not that I had any out to no cool karate shooters because I did go into one, and it was pretty cool, and I got in trouble at school, and my mom took me out of karate, and I never found these pair uh, these of brothers that used to run, like, a great program. I remember being, like, 10 years old, being and it was, like, a solid karate program. Like, they were
0: actually teaching, it wasn't a daycare. Yeah.
1: So I loved it, you know, but um, I didn't get stick in that too long. I got some trouble in school, my mom took me out. She got having those...
0: Activities. Yeah, wh- when your mom took you out of school, like, how did you convince her to let you go back, or did you kind of, like, do it behind her back? A
1: combo thing. It was a combo platter. <laughs> she wouldn't allow me in some of these gyms, <clears throat> and then I'd, uh, I'd talk to the people, and then the people would be like, hey, man, you got to pay them. So i had clean baths or something, you know, <laughs> because my mom couldn't find out <laughs> that I was going or anything, so I just go ride bike indefinitely and when i come back hours later you know my mom wouldn't think much of it sometimes but i was either at like a boxing gym or the karate studio or doing something yeah sometimes would drop. it's not that i didn't play video games or anything like that growing up because a lot of times i uh,
0: Yeah, for sure. Were you a big kid, Jorge, or were you one of the smaller guys? You no, know,
1: probably regular size. I was very skinny with a huge fucking head. I had a big head, bigger than it is now. Not that I have big head, I but at least more proportion to my body. I had a huge fucking head. I was skinny. Um, yeah, I was always like a skinny kid since I can remember. Like around nine years old, ten years old, I was pretty pretty much a skinny dude. You
0: know? Yeah. At the same time, what was, because I know you went to St. Uh, Brendan High School. In Miami, what was that like I in terms know, I, I never went.
1: I, I never went to St. Brendan. That's just a big joke. See, St. Brendan is uh, primarily an all-girls school. It used to be an all-girls school, then they opened it up to co-ed. So currently, till date, today, it's like I don't know, like nineteen percent males in that school. Okay. So when I did that Facebook thing, yeah, when I did that Facebook thing, shit, since I don't know nobody did know about me I thought
0: we were just putting like dream school okay. that's school that I always wanted to go to you know? <laughs> so I put my out there. where'd you go to school I went to school it's called Miami Sunset High I went there for about a
1: semester and then um, they were they, they were probably to get me out of it they wanted to kick me out of it so I switched before so they kicked me out to another school that I, I stayed in there like three more weeks later, and then I dropped
0: out of it and started fighting you know? okay fair enough so, in terms of you know, I watched a lot of your YouTube stuff, and one of the the videos that really caught my eye was you know your street fighting and with Kimbo and all that sort of stuff. What age did you actually start street fighting? I, I started. I don't
1: want to say street fighting, but I'm going to say like you know arranging fights. Maybe because it's street fighting, I don't know. Since, since I was a kid, I can remember like somebody trying to take my bike and punching them in the face, and that person bleeding, and then you know that's a street fight. Those happened very young. Yeah. Right. I remember like nine ten years ago, I could already. Remember, uh, maybe throwing my fists around or, or somebody trying to intimidate me, assault me or something like that, and I had to put them in clicks. So that's the kid. But like the more like the Kimball ish type, maybe around like 13, 14, and my friends found that I could fight and then we find out who else could fight in the neighborhood and we'd all bet a little bit of money and the winner would keep it all, you know, we all came up with like forty seven dollars and then, you know, Fucking the winner of the scrap
0: would keep the 47 bucks, you know? So it was pretty cool. Yeah, so what would you, what would you do? Would you, like, take the boys out for something to eat? A couple beers? That's pretty much
1: it. Nah, I mean, beers not be. Beer. I remember one time, uh, I but it was with the boxing clubs. It was like three, me and three of my friends, and we all came up with like $60. And vice versa on the other group, you know, from another school. And somebody was like, "All right, man, my, our friends can fight, you know." And we should just do it. No time limit. You could do take You could do whatever. But all we had on was like boxing gloves, and uh, I did it. I won sixty bucks, and I think uh, a big group of us just went to McDonald's and like picked out. We just fucking kids, man.
0: Yeah, this is yeah. Dumb shit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Now we went
1: to McDonald's. Everybody got got the Sundays
0: with the double caramel, the double fudge. It was a good day. We were falling out of control. So there was no what dollar, was was getting, was no dollar menu. Know? Everyone got a meal, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kicked out, we were rich because we were getting the XL fries and fucking
1: and
0: shit like that. You know, so it was a good day. A lot of phone numbers got got that day. Yeah, I like that. So what about Kimbo? Like, what was your first impression when you met met him for the first time? Wait, who? With With Kimbo Slice. Did you
1: hear that last one?
0: what what was your first impression of Kimbo Slice when you first met him?
1: Well shit, man, I was I was pretty young when I first first met Kimbo and he was at the gym and he was already I don't know, um, man, truly when when you talk about Kimbo, you could give him so much credit for like YouTube because he was like the first YouTube celebrity really, you know? Yeah. He had millions of views before people even knew what YouTube was. I remember seeing that shit and I was like, What the fuck? And it was just, it was nuts because the guy was so humble. If you see him on YouTube, right, especially back in the days, I'm talking about 15, 16, 17 years ago, 20 years ago, and you see Kimbo And the online world just happened to be, and you see him, you go, man, this guy's some wild animal. It only gets brought out to feed, you know, and feed is when when they give him a human soul to take up. But when you meet the dude, he's the most humble, most down-to-earth, Cool motherfucker you could ever meet, man. He doesn't even have that vibe about him. Like if you just met him, you wouldn't even think he was a prize fighter. You know, he was always one of the
0: coolest cats you could ever come across. Is that, is that kind of something that you try to display yourself? You know, we see, you know, obviously you have to sell fights, but at the same time, you seem very, very respectful once you're away from the cage.
1: Uh, yeah, no, you know, I mean, some people come from some you know, of, of humble places, you know, where you get taught to be and humble and, and respectful to everybody cause you never know who the f- who. I've always <laughs> had that about me you know and, um, and I just feel like man just because you kick everybody's ass in the room you don't have to act like that you don't have to be an ass or be telling people I'm a pro fighter things like that that's just what I like to do it's just my hobby my love but I don't I don't think I don't get it how fighters be treating like regular people like like they're beneath us or something. Yeah. It's, it's completely different, you know? It's, it's just be cool at all times, man, and treat everybody
0: with respect, whether they could kick your butt or not. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know like fighters come from a lot of diversity and different backgrounds and things like that, but given your own background and things like what you've done with Kimbo and that sort of, that sort of fighting away from the cage, do you think that's kind of your point of difference away from the rest of the guys, especially in your division? For sure, fighting out in
1: the streets is way different. It's uncivilized. You get shot, you get stabbed, you know, attacked by multiple people because their friends are mad. There's no real supervision there of, of authority, just other street motherfuckers, like Rest in Peace, Kimball, like you don't want to fish again. So he made sure nothing would happen. But things
0: could still happen, you know, so that's one huge different. What do you remember about... What was the, the situation when you decided that you wouldn't be do, doing backyard fighting and then you wanted to turn pro? What was the... What well, was kind of steps in turning professional?
1: No, no. no. Since I was doing street fighting, I was already knowing at this moment, right now, it's taking place between me and you in this conversation. Yeah. What happened? That I was going to the pool and I would do everything in my essence possible to be a best at it. So I, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going pool and that I was going force ever. You know, that was just part of the procedure. I had done many of those at the time, just competing in a backyard with somebody unsanctioned because I, I was still young, you know. So when that one came about, I didn't think anything of it, man. I didn't think... I didn't even know about this YouTube thing so much. You know, because YouTube was really, relatively still young. I just found, man, it's another scrap, whatever, you know. I didn't think I'd have millions of views on it and people recognizing me about it and, and stuff like that, you know.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, for all your success now, you know, the path for a fighter is obviously something that's, that's very, very tough. You know, you don't make huge amounts of money until you're a proven star like can we talk a little bit about like your first few years because i heard you speaking about you know you you did whatever you had to do you know you you slept in your car for four or five months you slept slept in gyms and things like that can you talk about the sacrifices it's taken to get you to this point now okay so talk about like my early years yeah just uh, just the sacrifices from the early years and just how much different it is to to what you are today how much time we got, players? We got a lot of time. <laughs> as much time as you want, my man.
1: Give me one second, What, man? You want me to get? Okay, do it because I'm still doing my energy. Well, oh, man, um, I came to a point where I already knew this is all I'm going to do. This right here is what I'm meant to do, and I'm going to do it. And I'm just, I know I'm good at There was a point in time where I had a couple, I had been training ready for a while. So, I knew, I knew my natural abilities as a kid growing up that every time I got into a, a fist fight, a fist attack, if I was like in fifth, sixth grade, and, and I got attacked a couple of times on the street by like multiple attackers. And thank God, to this day, I never got like seriously hurt or nothing, and I seriously hurt people. So, I already knew, even before in the gym, that I had something a little different, and God had gifted me in certain areas. You know, whether it was speed and reflexes and toughness, I was already gifted in those areas. Yeah. And when I got to the gym and polishing up, um, obviously not like I walked into the gym and I was beating the best guys there but I, I got to the gym and got humbled for many for many many of training sessions and letting myself grow and develop into something else so after that took place for like 2-3 years I already knew before I was a pro I'm like man I'm, I'm gonna go far in this
0: thing yeah. I
1: know I'm gonna go far I know I'm gonna be world champion Cause I was already training with good guys in different disciplines throughout my whole life and, and I knew how I had match up against them so I knew I was gonna I was gonna fight so I remember getting a job in telemarketing and trying to save up as much money as I could. So I didn't train. This was when I was like 17, about to turn 18, because I knew mean, once I was 18, I could turn pro, I would turn pro, and I was just going to try to keep the ball moving, so I needed as much money as I could. So I remember I got a market, uh, telemarketing job during the summertime for like three months, man, <laughs> and just trying to save up as much money as I could. I didn't, I didn't really train that much. It was like a shitty ass time in my life. It was depressing. But I was just trying to work as much. And I'd be work. I had one job that was like a 9 to 6 p.m., something like that, because of one hour lunch, or 9 to 5, something like that. And then I've had another telemarketing job coming other places in the world from like, I don't know. Somebody used to be at an odd hour, like 10 p.m. to fucking sometime in the morning, like 4 or 5 in the morning, something crazy like that, man. And I used to do that. make I'd be, because I could talk Spanish as well, you know, so I was doing whatever type of telemarketing or, or shit like that I could do. I did it. I had numerous types odd jobs and shit. So for those three months, I just grinded it, got back in the training, picked up a pro fight. My first pro fight, I made a thousand bucks, 500 to show, 500 to win. Wow. Training in the gym, memberships, trainers, this and that. I kept like, uh 700 in my pocket. I remember I gave a nice chunk to my mama Dukes because she always helped me down. She always helped me out. So as soon as I could help her out, I helped her out. Yep. And, um, just to get to the to that training camp and the fight, I had spent a lot of my money that I saved up already. so I basically had like fourteen hundred dollars in my pocket. No fight, no more income to come in, and I just started hustling. Man, I do I do whatever it would take to get to the next spot. You know, some things I'm not proud of, but most of the time I, I stayed on path. I didn't uh, I didn't fuck around too much as far as like the moral compass goes, but I I did a lot of shit that fucking uh I didn't want to do. Man, construction work, pulling carpets. Sleeping in cars was just, who gives a fuck, man? That's just for there and now, you know? And this is for anybody listening and stuff. That's not the end of the road. Some people might look at it like, oh, you got to get another job career. Nah, it just means I got to dig harder. I got to go further. I got to fucking, I got to get this no matter what, you know? This is what I want. This is a sacrifice that it takes. So since I was sleeping in the back of a car, looking up, I knew I was going to get out of it. And I knew that me, myself, and I was going to get me out of it, you know? Through these hands, I be I able to accomplish whatever goals that I set out to accomplish. So it didn't matter if I was sleeping in the gym, if I was sleeping in the car. It was just a part of the process. And it was just meant, just, I didn't know it then. But when I look at it now, it was just building mental toughness. You know, it was just giving me that extra edge if I ever needed that edge, you know. And, and which in fighting, you, you do need those edges because sometimes promoters will fuck you over. I remember young, being young in my career, I'll get fucked over to, to take a flight overseas. And then I get there like two, three days before the fight starts. And I haven't really slept that good. And all these crazy things that would happen. But I'm like, man, when I was 16, I was sleeping in the car not getting sleep, going to practice, doing it for eight hours. Now I just got to do it for 15 minutes. I'll be all right. You know, so yeah, the, the road, um, I love it, man. I love everything that's gone on through my life. So I don't consider it hard times. I consider it like my my man building times. You know, that, that's what gave me a thing, not eating. A lot of times I didn't have food to go eating because I was cutting wind I just literally... Couldn't get another meal, and well, guess what? my My job ends up being that shit. I got to cut weight. I got to lose weight. There's many days I don't eat. You know, and I got to work out and then go compete.
0: So it's just part of the process, man. Yeah. Well, hey, what was it? Because you know the what you've just described. Like a lot of people quit before they actually get to the to the end road. What do you reckon was what stopped, stopped you from quitting? A lot of people
1: quit. I man, I, I was in boxing. I was in, in, in programs with guys who were talented that I was like, whoa, you know, that like, this guy has talent. He can, Based off his, his talent alone and, and, and he has natural toughness, this individual could go for it. but guess what? Like beat him up, you know? They didn't, their car broke down. They didn't want to ride a bike. They didn't want to catch a bus. They didn't want to be fucking, you know, maybe be a little humiliated amongst friends, catching rides, sleeping in couches. couch. I, I don't give no fuck sure, none of that, yeah. you know? If I had to catch a bus nowadays, you can't, you can't see me at the bus stop while it's pouring rain if I have to catch that bus. So I'm gonna get it done. So that's one thing that not only in the gym I was tough, but out in the world I was even tougher. I didn't I didn't take no for an answer. I didn't let n encourage me. And I think that's something that not it's not something that I think it's something that I know. That's the reason why not everybody's a winner. It's because most are quitters. You gotta know that. You know, and if you listen to this, you might be one of those quitters. Doesn't mean that you're gonna stay a quitter, you could change that shit up and, and be who you wanna be. But there's a lot of quitters in life. That's why there's not so much winners. Yeah, I agree. Common sense, just math.
0: Hey, Jorge, do you believe in timing or even in fate? Maybe in? Do you believe in timing or fate?
1: Um, I believe in a couple different things, my brother. I definitely believe in a little bit of timing, something to do with fate. But I don't want to say fate because I I know that every day you can make choices to get you to uh, either this side or that side. The mm-hmm. left or the right, you know? The left might be the best, the right might be the worst, but every day we're like making decisions. We're going through like these four worlds every day, you know? I'll give you an example. In my young age, I was pretty good at the gym, and like I said, I was naturally tough. So, sometimes I'd, uh, let's say I wanted to go out on a Friday night, you know? And I had to practice Saturday morning. Yep. And i go out Friday night till late, you know? I would park my gym at the car, or just go straight after party to the gym, sleep in the ring, wake up, kick everybody's gym in practice, kick everybody's gym in practice, and and those things would stick with me and be like, man, I, I could just party, you know, and, and, and go to training. Those are not good decisions. Though. Just because I could beat everybody in that one practice session doesn't mean that that was the best me that day. You know, there was a better me, and it took me, I had to mature a little bit more to just know, like, even if you're the fastest guy running the mile or whatever, there could always be a better you. You know, so you got to make those decisions.
0: They constantly make the better you. Yeah, for
1: sure. And you know, that's something that I had to find out the hard
0: way. Are you kind of glad it happened a little bit later, like your success? Because you know you're 35 years old now. Had it happened when you were 25 years old, do you think you would have had the maturity to handle? Because let's be honest, over the past year, you've gone from a veteran, a 15 year veteran, to now a celebrity. Do you think you would have you would have had the maturity back then to handle it as you do now?
1: No, not my brother.
0: And that's all
1: God's timing, man. Because there's definitely, I'm not telling nobody's timing to my church or what book to read, but there's definitely a divine force out there, a a supernatural power, intelligent design that's that's done everything that we're doing there right now. And I think that power knew that at 25, I was just too motherfucking wild, man. Mm. I was just too much of a wild motherfucker at 25. All this money and all that power back then, who knows, man. You know? I I still would have been fine. I still would have been doing good, but, um,
0: No knows, man. I was a big I was a different kid back then. Yeah. So, Jorge, now, you know, Abe set you up for that reality show now a couple of years ago in the Dominion Republic. Like, you know, you've spoken about how it's made you Jorge number two. And, you know, obviously it's been a big change in your life with all the isolation that you had out there. When you were isolated, like, what sort of things were you doing? Like, were you meditating? Were you journaling? What sort of things?
1: Well, I meditate on the regular every day. Even before I got on the chart, that's always been something part of me. I didn't, uh, I had the luck that I didn't really grow up with TV in, in a in a way, you know? I remember I used to get made fun of back then because my friends would come over and like, hey, you ain't got no fucking TV, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I ain't got no TV. <laughs> you know? And But now I look back, I'm like, damn, I'm glad because it's not like I don't watch TV, but I, I don't watch TV that much compared to, to maybe the average TV watcher or, or the average person or even the average athlete, man. So I've always meditated kind of without even knowing what I was doing. Because I'm always thinking about what I'm going to do. So that's something that I, I, I did a lot more of that. But the main difference that, that I would get to do over there that I didn't get to do here is not have influences, whether they be good or bad. I didn't have no influences. in my friend that of my own. And I'm a constant. And for very long periods of time, whether my decision was good or bad, it was just my decision. It wasn't that I, I woke up and on the way to the gym, my cousin called me and said hey my car broke down the need you to come pick me up and lend me two hundred dollars and now my day shifts and i'm doing different types of things and it's not a negative or positive towards my cousin and his car broke down but it's not that of my own intent you know so now i gotta go worry about this i gotta help this guy fix a flat tire i gotta you know so those things i didn't get to have to do during this period of time i was just focus and focus and focus on this exactly what i'm doing and everything in my career that involved fighting, involved media, all these things. I, I thought about it over and over, and I said, I'm going to take myself to the top of the game, and this is what I'm going to do. I had a plan when I came back. I, I gave that plan to my management. They heads it out in detail a little bit more now and carried it to uh, execution.
0: Yeah. Jorge, you know, you obviously, your success comes down a lot to the team that you have. You know, you got a great manager. I can see that your your dad's involved with lots of your training and stuff as well. Obviously, you got great coaches as well. At what stage did you assemble this team, Masvidal? Uh, we've had it for a while. Like my striking
1: coach, Paulina um, Hernandez, he's been with me for quite some time since since a, a young man, you know. My uh, strength and conditioning coach as well, Mike Brown. I've known him, what, in 11 years, something like that, you yeah. know. And he's been a coach of mine the last five years. But me and Mike Brown used to trade alongside each other, you know. And he's a world champion. Everybody knows Brown, man. He's, he's, he's one of the greatest coaches I've but he was a fucking hell of a fighter. You know, I think he's a better coach than a fighter because he's done so much in coaching already in his young career. But in fighting, he was a monster. I used to train alongside with him a lot. So when Mike became a coach, I knew he'd be great. And then Mike started coaching me, and it just worked out phenomenal. So it's uh, it, for my coaching staff, it's Mike Brown and Balino that, that mainly run my camps and and help me get in tune. My strength and conditioning coach that puts all the gasoline into my body to make sure that I'm running at a premium oh you know that that, that there's no injuries in the path and then my management team which is also my corner Abraham just make sure we're getting the most
0: money every time out you know absolutely but is it one of those things that whether you're in training camp or you're, you're traveling do you bring the whole team like how does that work say it again my brother if you are on the road like for example when you come to Australia who's do you bring some of the coaches with you? Is your dad gonna? Tra- your dad can't travel out of America, Kenny. And then there's there's, there's Ab, Abe as well, right?
1: Sometimes I'll bring uh, like a sparring partner, maybe not a coach, because if my coaches are busy, maybe I'll bring a sparring partner and they'll just dictate what to do via text message. Um, a lot of times, uh, I just be me working out. Like if it's a one or two day thing, I just get in there and turn the hotel into my personal gym. I work out if not. I mean, I know everybody in the sports. So I'll just I'll pop into somebody's gym, get a good workout. You know, in Australia, I mean, gyms I'm not looking forward to. I want to be outside working out. So if somebody's hearing this and they got a good workout outdoors Hit me up. You know, a good mountain to scale, a good lake to swim, things like that I like to do. You know, maybe a, maybe a, a very hilly road or some off-the-path track to run and things like that is what I like to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, given the explosiveness of the three knockouts that you achieved this year, going in 2020, do you feel... Like, is there an expectation now for you to continue to, because you're a showstopper, man. Like, is there an expectation on yourself now that you have to, you know, give a great performance and produce like these knockouts in 2020?
1: I tell you like this, man. 2019 was the year of the dog. Just me getting after, just putting in work. 16 years of work I put in. 2020 is the year of the lottery tickets. I got all these lottery tickets under my mattress, scratch-offs. I just got to stop being naked. I got to scratch them off, go to the bank, and cash them in. And that's what I'm going to do 2020. I'm getting some big, easy checks, man. I'm, I've been working in this game a long time. I've been kicking ass. Come next year, it'll be 17 years in this sport, giving everything I had in every fight. So whether you're a, a fan of game Pit or not, you can't complain about my work ethic, my work ratio. When I get in there, I just, I just go to work. Whether you like my personality now or my style, I just get to work. I give it my all. So 2020, I'm catching in some big tech and it's going to be bigger and better than 2019. 2019 is already done. I already got bite of the year, knockout of the year, all this crazy stuff. 2020, I'm trying to do something bigger and better, you know? And if it goes to my plan, 2019 is just going to be the the preview
0: for 2020. <laughs> like now, that
1: wasn't a movie. That was just a preview into the movie. You know?
0: Yeah, I like that. Now you know, given the way the stature that you've you've risen now, Jorge, you know you're pretty much a role model for a lot of kids, and a, you know you're an inspiration to a lot of people coming through. That might have been down their luck, but you can change it around. Like, do you have a message like a like a particular message that you want to spread around the world?
1: Oh, one of the same messages I've been spreading that came after the show, just put the blinders on, you know? Have faith in the process, but also people just, they boy, their thing is to get rich or, I don't know what these kids are into these days. Maybe it's, it's to have a famous restaurant or something. Whatever it is, it, it's just I think it's humans. We multitask too much, and I understand more than ever now. People want to be jack-of-a-million-trades. If you really love something, just get after it. Just push everything to the side. Put the blinders on and don't make no excuses and just do it, man. Because not everybody has that. You know, a lot of people make up excuses of why they don't have this or that. Just get after it. Fuck it. Don't hate on nobody. Don't knock nobody's hustle and just go get your own and kick some fucking ass and give all praise to God after you've done kicking some ass because there's a supernatural force that governs everything out
0: there. Yeah, I like that. Now, Jorge, you know, at your press conference after you fight with with Diaz, they brought you a piece of pizza and you. You crossed it over. I've never seen that before, but it's it's it seems to have caught on, and I tried it last night, and I've never tried it before, but it's, it's bloody awesome, man. So where does that kind of come from?
1: You get double the flavor, man.
0: <laughs> it's
1: Double the flavor.
0: Have you noticed around America, like, people tagging you in posts now, and like like I said, the influence that you have over people, like the amount of posts that I've seen with people eating pizza, T- tagged, game bread, like it- it's incredible the the influence you've had on people lately.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. I didn't think that was gonna catch fire like that. You know, you just you just don't know because w- once you're in front of millions and millions of viewers watching, you just uh, truly don't know what might catch fire. You know, because there's so much so much content given out. You just at the end of the day, you don't know what it's gonna be that uh, the tips the icebergs.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, all right, let's wrap things up. I just want to know a few things about your nicknames. Now, where would you get the nickname Game Bread?
1: Game Bread, game means the ability to fight through pain and fatigue. doesn't mean how good you are or how bad you are. At fighting, game means, game means just the ability to take pain and fatigue and keep fighting through it and keep pushing through it. Bread means that you're bread for that something. So if you got a Belgian malinoid or another Belgian malinoid, you may felt your man means, you know that's okay. what bread means so i'm just i'm just game bread man
0: okay and then when did you become street jesus
1: oh i don't know the people deemed that on me i didn't <laughs> i didn't ever become street jesus the people deemed that on me <laughs> they had they, they gave me a actually mike brown was one of the first ones um i was uh i had already had the tail fight i was um they're, they're, mike Brown's just a funny dude just he doesn't open up often well, Mike Brown's one of the funniest things ever. As I was going to the Wayne's. I had just woken up and I was fresh out of bed, and um, Mike Brown saw me. and He's like, "Man, we got to release Street Jesus." I'm done asking already. And then everybody in the room started dying laughing. And then uh, my manager liked it, so I said it took off, man.
0: How long did it take for your hair to grow? About a year. Okay. You know what I'm so was it just like a year from your first fight from this year?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know, I want to say maybe in 2000, at the end of 17, was probably like the last haircut I got, because I don't think
0: I got a haircut in 18, so yeah, about a year of Okay, and now the cornrows, is that now something, because you're winning all the time, that's obviously like a superstition now?
1: No, well the cornrows is because I, I can't, I couldn't fight with my hair, and my face, you know, I'd be... That'd be an idiot move. I've I'd been giving a lot of weight to somebody. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare fight with
0: that. How long before a fight you know, do you, um, do you get them done?
1: I get them done the same day, so staying nice and tight. The, the main thing for me is for a lot of times if people see me training. I'll be wearing something in my head. I can't have hair in my face or things touching my face because it just bothers me, and it could break my, my. Uh, not that it'll break it, but it, it could disrupt the motors in the head. You know, I don't like to think of anything else about the tattoo that I'm doing if I'm running if I'm swimming anything so I
0: don't like hair in my face so the corn will keep the hair extra fucking tight okay awesome well Jorge I really appreciate you you joining me on the show before I let you leave you know the tickets for your Australian tour it starts on the 12th of February in Melbourne you'll be travelling to Sydney Brisbane Adelaide and Perth you can get those tickets at www.jorge au. follow Jorge on his Twitter and Instagram Game Bread Fighter you also find him on Facebook his YouTube channel is incredible Jorge, all the best, man, for, uh, you know, Happy New Year. It's a couple days away. But uh, looking forward to to having you in Australia, man. And, you know, congratulations on everything you've achieved this year. You're an inspiration to everyone, buddy. Thank you, my brother.
1: I'll be in five cities in Australia, like you said. I'm going to take over. I think after you. So make sure you come check me out, Australia. We're going to have a blast. I'm going to begin after, man. I can't wait. I want to do some outdoorsy shit so my Australians hear this. Send me a message about some cool outdoor shit I could do because I know I'm going to be in one of the best places to do outdoor activity. So I'm ready, man. This wild man's ready for Australia, man. I'm pumped. This is one of the, the most excited trips I've been about. So I
0: can't wait. For sure, brother. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the show, man. And I uh, look forward to catching up when you're in Australia. Thank you, guys, man. God bless. Man. Thank see you. you. Soon. And that, guys, was Jorge Mazvadal. I really thank you again. Happy New Year. I know 2020, I hope it brings you both health and happiness and continue, you know, hopefully I can continue to bring some, some awesome podcasts. Definitely get in touch, like I said at the start of the show, either social media or or send me an email at Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. Whether it's just a yarn to say good day about the footy, about you know any sports or guest requests. There's gonna be a whole heap of different guests coming on in the new year, not just NRL, across all different sports, been talking to some AFL guys. So that should be pretty interesting. Obviously the fighting, I love the fighting as you know with Jorge and things like that. So hopefully we can organise some more UFC fighters but definitely get in touch and let me know what you think of the show and who you want to want to have coming up. Like I said at the top of the show, you know, Jorge will be here in February. So the 12th of February, Melbourne, 13th of February, Sydney, 15th of February, Brisbane, 16th of February, Adelaide, 18th of February, Perth. And you can check all that out at www.jorgeMasvidal.com.au. All the tickets and further information will be on the page. Or definitely look him up on social media. So Monday, 6th of January, we're back with our long form interviews. Next up on the show, Denim Kemp is the bloke in the bar. He's got a great, actually, if you're in Gold Coast and you're in Broadbeach, definitely check out his bar. I hear it's absolutely awesome. So get amongst that. All right, guys, that is me for today. Happy New Year, and I'll see you in 2020.